pre-dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, pre-dropped. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Good morning, Dylan. I've got one thing to tell you. What's that? Europe's on fire, and the USA is terrified. I have that song stuck in my head. Wow, what is it? Freed, freed from Desire? Yeah. <laughs> World Cup remix, now Ryder Cup remix. Um, it's the anthem of European golf teams, because this was played at the Solheim Cup, too, a week ago. And we have now seen the European double, as predicted on this podcast by none other than yours truly, Sean Zock. The European double happened. Uh, it's early Monday morning here in Italy. Dylan and I are actually spending a little time out on like the porch of our Italian villa. What um, do we call this? A, a patio? That seems yeah, like it could be an Italian word. It's a big patio. Uh, it is another lovely day in Italy. We've had a lovely week in Italy. Every day has been like 86 degrees and sunny. But this is a golf podcast, so we stop talking about the weather and we start talking about the golf eventually. Dylan... Uh, what are you going to tell people? Well, first, I do want to take a moment to point you in the direction of Golf Magazine's YouTube page, golfmagazinegolf.com, uh, which you can find very easily. Specifically, check out the seen and heard videos we've been doing from on-site all week if you want behind-the-scenes coverage, uh, a true inside look at Team Europe's victory and what it felt like on the ground. Honestly, just go buzz through these videos. Uh, they're 10 or 15 minutes each day. You get to see uh, Sean and myself, and more importantly, you get to see every Ryder Cup golfer. So go check those out. From here, Sean, I think it's just time to do a big debrief. Like This was a resounding European victory. It was a terrific week, and I think it's just worth busting through what happened, what went right for the Europeans, what went wrong for the U.S., what we saw, what we liked, and uh, what it all means. And it, there's a bit of an end of the school year feel to the men's pro golf season. We kind of say that at the end of the tour championship and even at the end of the, the open, at the end of the major season. But now it's not clear what we're looking to next. So I think it's a good time to give out some grades. Um, for now, we'll just stick to giving out grades for this Ryder Cup week. Sometimes, you know, you don't have a lot of tests. Ricky Fowler only only took a couple quizzes this semester, but, you know, that's kind of how it goes. So where do you want to start? Uh, I think we got to start Team Europe. we got to start with the winners. I know uh, not every – well, this, there's more Americans that probably listen to this podcast than Euro- Europeans, but we got to start with the team that won. And I think in general – when you talk about Ryder Cup teams, you got to talk about the captain. So we'll get to the players in a second. But uh, Luke Donald, Dylan, what grade are we giving the European leader? A plus. A plus. Couldn't have done anything different. I thought he was. I was. Maybe I came in with sort of just moderate expectations. Like I've never thought of Luke Donald as a player as such a presence. Um, you know, I know he was terrific. I know he made it to world number one he was around for forever. He was, he was classy. He had a, a great way about him, impressive short game, etc. But I didn't know that that would translate to being such a firm and impressive leader of men. Steely. Steely. It went back to really the opening ceremonies when he began with 
a really well what sounded to me like an extremely eloquent address in Italian. Fluent Italian. Fluent Italian. And then went through and introduced each of his players by name with, you know, pronunciations that clearly he'd worked hard on. This might sound like a very little thing, but uh, to me it seemed like a big thing. This was a guy that was dialed in on every detail and wasn't afraid to put in the work to kind of get there. You say it goes back to that. It goes back way further than that. Yeah, I, think I guess that, right. was like I think a, that was symptomatic of, all, of everything that had gone into that. I think Luke Donald, you're right. He gets an A+, because this was not the captain that Ryder Cup Europe selected. Luke Donald lost the captaincy campaign to Henrik Stenson about, I don't know, 18 months ago or something like that. And Stenson decided to basically leverage that captaincy into more money with Live Golf and lost the job. And so they said, okay, gosh, now that we lost our captain, who do we give this captaincy to? Luke Donald took it in stride, didn't complain about anything, was a class act about all of the Live stuff the entire, you know, I guess last 15 months or so, 14 months that he's been in the position. Uh, then showed up here and just had an answer for everything. Not just the you know the pairings that the U.S. would trot out, but an answer for every tough question, an answer for the chaos that happened on Saturday night between Rory McIlroy and Joe LaCava. It felt like he was the leader of an organization <laughs> rather than just the leader of 12 guys because uh, that's ultimately what this position comes down to is leading the organization. I, I think I was reluctant when you started speaking to give an A plus to somebody, but frankly, like six months ago, this was a, a European team that were underdogs playing at home and they end up winning by five points, which, you know, you could argue that it wasn't even that close for much of the, the tournament. So I agree. A plus for Luke Donald. I think the next person naturally we have to, to yeah. go to is Rory. Roy McElroy. Mm. Well, we, we talked about, yeah, going into the event, who had the most on the line, essentially, and I think that's where we pretty clearly settled. So what, what are you giving Rory? Well, so he gained four points, played five matches, lost a match um, in epic fashion on Saturday evening to Patrick Cantlay and Wyndham Clark. Um, played really, really well. Putted well, it seemed. Um, at least he felt like he was winning a lot of holes with his putts. Um his irons were off the charts. He played better golf than I expected him to play. This is a guy who was coming into this week. People are having questions about his health of his body, right? He had hurt his back during the FedEx Cup playoffs. He was going to a bachelor party a couple weeks ago. Felt like he was flying all over the place. Um, weren't really sure what we were going to get out of Rory, and we got a really great performance. So that is a long way of saying I am giving Rory an A. He was the team leader you know, towards the, the way things shook out late on Sunday. I saw Justin Rose's caddy, Mark Fulcher, come up to him and give him a pretty, like, passionate hug and just said, like, congrats to you, man, because you are the team leader. You are the leader of these guys. And you don't always get one defined leader of a team at uh, a Ryder Cup. Often it's like, three or four guys. It, it's interesting, though. Rory probably could have done a little bit better he, he will leave this event with weird questions about what happened with Patrick Cantley, why he was so fired up could he have handled that situation better um, 
maybe he gets an A minus if some if someone's really upset about you know him taking out his anger on Bones Mackay, but uh, for me it's an A. Yeah, I think that that's a strong analysis. He he was the guy that would lead this team, and then he led this team, and I think you know his emotional kind of outburst there on Saturday night. Maybe that helped rally the U.S. team, but I don't know. Maybe it helped rally the European team, too. That is the sort of stuff that makes us love this Ryder Cup. So, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how you give him worse than an A. Even to lose that match against – to lose that single point required Patrick Cantlay making a 10-foot birdie putt on 16, 10-foot birdie putt on 17, 43-foot birdie putt on 18. So (laughs) this could have easily been a 5-0-0 thing. I do think that buried in – Buried in that confrontation on 18 is some is some frustration, some so a differing worldview than Cantlay maybe, and then just a real time realization of like, damn, I'm not going to go five zero now because <laughs> that does put you in some pretty rare Ryder Cup company. We we should probably since we were on the grounds inside the ropes around Rory when the final score was getting tallied up, um, we should probably tell people what we were seeing, right? before we move on sure yeah i think that the thing he kept yelling was uh 35 years of overachieving he was saying this sarcastically he said it to jamie weir he kind of shouted it to the fans shouted to his teammates 35 years of overachieving i can't believe it how do we keep doing it and he was saying that sarcastically because it has been 30 years since the last american team won in europe and it will be at least 34 before they ever get another chance to do it. Um, and basically just implying that he hears people talking about how the Europeans are punching above their weight. They are overachieving in this event. And he's here to say, that's not overachieving. We keep doing it. Rory was floating. Like he was, he was levitating around the place. He was, he was clearly like, He's literally jumping in people's arms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was he was just on this incredible high, clearly like a you know adrenaline rush, just relief, joy, happiness. He puts so much emotionally into stuff that he does, and this is something that he has gone out of his way to invest extra in. That uh, we could definitely see that release. Um, but yeah, I guess this is going to be a, a several hour podcast if we give a few minutes. <laughs> I just to wanted every to guy. show people to tell people what it was like inside the ropes. No, I think that's good because it was, was notable. Everyone was looking at him. Everyone, everyone was, was looking, looking at him in the press conference afterwards. He got all the questions. Actually, was not comfortable actually with how many questions he got. Literally, though, when he sat down, talk about when he sat down. Fitz and Hatton both pointed their mics to Rory and basically, you're just going to get all these questions, yeah. buddy. Well, I mean, he would have anyway, and then you add in what happened the night before where it looked like he was ready to fight someone on the American team, uh, and that's kind of inevitable. Let's go next, Sean, to Victor Hovland. Three and a half points. Three, one, and one. He played five also. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of uh, is, He and Rory were the only two that played all five for Europe, correct? Correct. Where do you have Vic? I mean, it's probably another A. Right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what he, he he of course could do better. He could, of course could win every match he plays. He was the just another horse that Luke Donald was always going to lean on. But he went out with Ludwig, kind of helped bring that rookie along the golf course. He won one of his matches nine and seven over yeah. Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler. That's one thing that um, 
we talk about momentum at these events, Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, and players can feel it. They can feel momentum. They can feel the fans reacting to certain scores on leaderboards. Players look at leaderboards themselves. There's a clip that moved, that went around of Justin Thomas looking at his caddy and clearly mouthing like nine and seven question mark. Yeah. When you see something like that up on the board early, it just feels like a lost point. It feels like your team is scraping for something. And Victor Hovland was involved in that uh, a few times. So kind of dispatched Colin Morikawa very easily on Sunday. When you're Luke Donald, you love having like three up, four up in, in the color blue on the leaderboard. And, and Hovland was involved with a lot of that. I think that I guess I would go A- minus just because he didn't play great on wow. in Saturday four balls. So him and Ludwig, I think, had a chance to do something even more special. Uh, but one crazy thing, I'm just double-checking my – uh, my figures here, Sean, but he, I guess he did. He did tie one match, but other than his tied match, I don't think that Victor saw the, the 16th hole. Hey, yeah, I've got one thing to tell you. What's that? We're probably going to reference this a lot. Data golf strokes gain total for the event. Number one player, Victor Hovland. Is that right? Yeah. He was number one, John Rom number two, Rory, number three, Tommy Fleetwood, number four. Um, Hey, you know what they don't give out? Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup points for strokes gained, <laughs> and we'll get more to that. But uh, yeah, kind of do. <laughs> Victor's got to uh, he's got to win that match Saturday afternoon. But yeah, he tied one match in the others. He won four and three, or he lost one four and three. Never saw the sixteenth hole. It's amazing just looking at this strokes gain data though, real quick. Top four players, all Europeans. Top three were their horses that top you know top three players in the world um they were all strokes gain negative putting rory rom and hovland dominated this tournament and they were all below average that putters. is unbelievable <laughs> it's slight sure certainly like slight but all negative strokes gain putters sean do you remember at the beginning of 2022 when I said at the end of this year, yeah. the top three players in the world are all going to be European. That you're, was my bold you're prediction. Just too early. Just One ahead year. of my time. Uh, <laughs> let's go next to John Rahm because yeah. he rounds out the the three horsemen here. He was two zero and two. He was uh, never beaten, and that required some serious heroics from him because yeah, gosh, yeah, a couple of his matches came down to eighteen, including his singles match, which he. Uh, Tied with Scotty Scheffler, thanks to some pretty clutch stuff on 18. Nice two-putt birdie yesterday. What, could, what are you giving Rom? I think you got to give him a minus only because I think in order to get an A, you got to play all five matches mm. or put more than three points on the board. Does yeah. that seem fair? I'll accept that. I think I like an A minus. He he could have made a few more putts, I guess, but. Yeah, we're getting nitty-gritty here with this criticism. Yeah, he was terrific. <laughs> like, all right, I guess my question for you, Sean, which of the three would you take right now? Hovland, Rory, Rom. That's a good question. I think I'm going Rom because he went off first uh, on Friday. He went off first on Sunday. It just it feels like he was a guy that Luke Donald was just – I mean, he was counting on all three of these guys, but – was so content being like, oh, the person I want to hit the first tee shot <laughs> is my big boy, John Rahm. Um, it, it always, it never felt like um, 
it felt like it was going to take a Herculean American effort, regardless of who it was, to actually win a point against John Rahm. Scotty Scheffler kind of put half a point together twice, um, but he did it by birding the last five holes with Brooks Kepka and still didn't get the full point. I think at this exact moment of time, moment in time, I'm going Victor Hovland. He's been, I mean, he's he is the hottest player in the world based on what he did at the FedEx Cup playoffs, <laughs> but he's also just like the way he was just stunting on people this week chipping off the edge of the green on the very first hole that he played and holing it like he was just doing some cocky stuff out there with his short game that kind of suggested like yeah i'm good at everything now you know know who rory mcelroy thinks is the best player in the world he did say john rom he name checked john rom in the in the press conference afterwards which i think was his way of saying guys can you please ask john rom more questions so that this is not like a thing that he has a chip on his shoulder about uh and if i was john i would continue to have a chip on my shoulder about it all right what's the next kind of echelon here sean let's go to tyrell hatton because he was he was three oh and one he earned three points a quick grade three and a half points is three and a half points yeah is massive um hatton was not fantastic at the french right the france Ryder cup uh, certainly was not fantastic at the Paris or the Whistling Straits Ryder Cup. He's a different player now, though, than he was then. I mean, he has kind of really, really hovered around the like eighth best to twelfth best player in the world in rankings over, for much of the last like eighteen months. Um, it hasn't really shown itself in a major championship. Yeah, and that's like the next echelon with all these guys. Is like okay. The biggest events, will you show up? You can go and win the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but will you do it at the biggest, biggest events, events like this? It's comfy for him. He gets to do it at home, or at least in Europe. But I guess I got, you know, for expectation purposes, he wasn't like someone I expected a ton out of. So I'll give him A minus. A minus? You think That's it? 3 0 1. I was thinking about A or A+. Plus. Not an A+. Plus. You can't get an A+, plus if you don't play five matches. All right, he's a solid A for Tyrrell Hatton. He and John Rahm just were such an awesome pairing. Loved seeing them together because Rahm is just a bigger version of Tyrrell. They've got, like, the same exact beard going right now. <laughs> Fairly similar be- uh, build. Yeah, I mean, Hatton was just awesome. You're right, his, his major record has kind of kept him from – that spot in our conversations where he, he's just not quite in that top tier of guys. But this week really kind of played like it. And the way he dispatched of Brian Harmon, who'd been a, a thorn in the side of the, the European team, the way he kind of just beat him down in singles, brushed him away was pretty impressive. So yeah, big week for Tyrrell. And then I guess there's one more guy that seems like it's, he comprises the, the top five currently of team Europe. That would be the point clincher, your boy Tommy Fleetwood. Mm, Tommy earned three points on the week. So uh, he, I he was three one and zero. Yes, he was three one and zero. Fourth best strokes gain performance in the entire tournament. He has the benefit, and he was keen to share this of playing with Rory McIlroy. <laughs> you know, he played in foursomes with Rory back to back days. They knew that they were going to play together. It sounds like they knew for months. Um, he has now played two European Ryder Cups. His partners have been almost peak Rory and absolute peak Francesco Molinari. So Tommy's uh, record certainly benefits from all this stuff. He clinched, I guess, the Ryder Cup by hitting the 16th green, a drivable par four in one, and forced Ricky Fowler to fan it into the water. We'll get to Ricky later. 
it's such an asset to Luke Donald. Like Tommy's been playing really, really good golf this summer, not winning, not getting a lot out of it, but it's such an asset to Luke Donald that you can have your horses and then just like pair them up with a Tommy Fleetwood at home, a guy who has so much Ryder Cup history. Um, so grade, Sean, give him a damn grade. Three and one, three one and zero oh was his record. What are you grading him? Uh, I can feel your instinct now is to get harsher, but look, we are talking about the best five players of the winning team. A minus. Yeah, I think that's correct. It's a lower A minus than Tyrrell, just because you know Tyrrell was unbeaten, Fleetwood was once beaten, but yeah. I think that that is uh, that's about right. All right, one quick question: Is there anyone in the golf world? You don't have to answer this now. I want you to just let it marinate with a higher approval rating than Tommy Fleetwood, because it's got to be as close to a hundred percent in my mind as as you can get in this modern yeah. era. Yeah. Like I've, I don't think, I think I've Victor ever does. met. <laughs> and Victor is the only one that came to mind that could be right up there. Yeah, Good the for two him. of them are maybe the most universally beloved great hair great smile great swing both of them great caddy great caddy um great performance i don't know let us know let us know if anyone (laughs) else stacks up Uh, but sean how do you want to do this you want to keep going down the points list or you want to just bop around to some some assorted europeans i don't think we need to talk about sep straka like well get you know what what is he give me a just buzz through it really yeah sep straka one two and oh c um Nikolai Hoygaard, half a point, C- the lowest on the, lowest C- on the team. Low expectations. I will team say one. he came out hot the first day. I want to say he birdied seven of the first 14 holes in yeah. uh, in four balls, so impressive enough to Really to limped in, though. Uh, Ludwig Aberg had the benefit of playing with with Victor Hovland. Um, Ober. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Ludwig, Ludwig Ober. Uh, I'll get better at that. Sorry, Swedish listeners. That's <laughs> um, my, that's the best I got right now. Kind of got waxed by Brooks Kepka in singles. I'm actually like for expectations. I'm gonna keep him despite having two points at a C. We had high expectations wow. for him. The hype, yeah. the hype was as high as it's ever gotten for a Ryder Cup rookie. I was stunting on people on Twitter, <laughs> just printing receipts <laughs> after he started two and zero, and then he's kind of got bundled. Uh, Bobby McIntyre. Good, gracious, great balls of fire. Look, Bob McIntyre, two is, and a half points it's a, somehow. It's a re, it's a results oriented game, results based game. This Ryder Cup thing we do, and going two zero and one. If if you pull out the data boy material, Bob McIntyre, not great, but two zero and one. Yeah. The, the ends justify it the means. Like a, it's hard to give this guy anything but. You got to give him an A. He did what he had to do. This is not a stroke play competition, uh, no. Sean. I know that you're resisting this. <laughs> B plus. Can't do it. B plus because it could have been. It could have looked better. I will give him credit for um, getting the points, being involved enough in the points. You're right. You know what? You're right because I watched a lot of this Rose McIntyre. I I watched Justin Rose physically pick up Bob McIntyre <laughs> and sling him over his shoulder and carry him around Marco Simone for yeah. this first match. So he, he felt like a right. like a starting pitcher who's made like five starts. He's like two and one with like a five seven ERA. He looks like a starting pitcher. <laughs> he would be a great lefty, just sling it in there. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, one point. Um, I will give Fitz a C plus because he was solid, not great. 
um, as far as expectations go, but he came out firing, got his first Ryder Cup point ever despite being on now three different teams. And uh, what did he go? He was like se- six under six through under six. Six under through six with Rory in four balls on uh, on Friday. I feel very, very relieved for Fitz because if that doesn't happen, then, you know, that, that was his lone point. But he played great that day. Uh, I think that's a generous grade. Well, he got into he was in multiple matches that reached the 18th hole. Almost beat Max Homa. Almost clinched the Ryder Cup himself. uh, Was a part of that McElroy Lacava scuffle. Yeah, he did. He played fine. He really did. We have two more to get to on the European side. Shane Lowry. Shane O really feels like he, despite not playing great, has stepped into a major leadership role with the European team not afraid to give speeches, not afraid to get in front of Joe LaCava on Rory McIlroy's behalf, not afraid to get between Rory McIlroy and Jim Bones Mackay in the parking lot. Um, He got a point and a half. He could have clinched the Ryder Cup on his own ball. So close. Um, I think Shane gets a a solid B because I think he means more than hit the points in golf that he necessarily we, brought. We got a cool behind the scenes look at what happened after um, on Saturday night when Shane said that he, or Rory said Shane dragged him down to the pool level of the hotel where they were staying, had him jump in the cold plunge, literally cool off. So I think there were some real leadership qualities shown by Shane. He was a, an emotional captain. And the fact that he also flipped that match uh, with Spieth, seemed like you know that was a pretty big time that was a big time moment on Sunday in terms of locking up okay we're we're definitely not going to lose this thing Justin Rose Sean I wrote a column about Justin Rose after the first day which is not something I ever expected partly because he did carry Bobby Mack around I think he made six or seven birdies on his own ball he had what he called his biggest Ryder Cup moment here he is 43 years old this guy does not belong on this team all his peers went to live or they're past their prime they they're on the back nine of their career justin rose this was more important he wanted to play the majors he wanted to play on the Ryder cup team he doubled down on everything he went one one and one this week not the best on the team but certainly not the worst a a a for justin rose not all a's are uh, treated equally but i'm really glad that the data supports this because it seemed like he made every damn putt he looked at every of consequence, and, and he was the best strokes gained putter in the entire tournament. He is 43 years old, seven years older than the oldest American, um, by far the most grizzled veteran. And you know what you do when you're 43 years old and your Ryder Cup playing career is coming to an end and you can kind of like will your your team to some putts had his moment on Friday? You're, he he earned his captaincy. I don't think it was ever maybe in doubt that he would end up becoming a captain, but there's a lot of people that can become captains, and we host five Ryder Cups every decade. That's it. So at the most, you get five chances every decade to be a captain, uh, but he earned it this week. Absolutely earned it. Um, he was great in the press room. He was great on the golf course. Absolutely a leader in many ways. Like if people didn't need to look to Rory – they could have looked to Justin Rose as the European leader. So absolutely an A. I think he's been a guy that he's just a hard guy to get to know. Like the, the Morgan Stanley commercial thing, like that can feel like Justin Rose sometimes. And this week it was, 
it was cool to feel excited and to feel happy for Justin Rose. And he lost to Patrick Cantlay in Sunday singles. It was going to be really hard for anyone to beat Cantlay in Sunday singles, but man, he made some sweet putts down the stretch to keep that thing close. Mm-hmm. Uh, went down two and one. Tip of the cap to Jay Rose. All right. How about an intermission in which we, before we go to Team USA, we give a grade to the golf course, Marco Simone. God, I, I don't want to overreact here because my first instinct walking around on Monday was like, okay, outside the ropes and in between everything, moped pause. There, were, it wasn't all that inspiring. Like when you get up high on the course, you look out on the Italian countryside. You're like, this is heaven. But <laughs> there's also you're like, there's kind of a bunch of crabgrass around here. It looks like they just chopped down a bunch of rough. What's going on? Once the tournament started, it was unbelievably good. I think maybe Victor, his maybe two weeks old comments now are pretty prescient. Like. If the way you're describing the grasses and the vistas and everything, this might not have been the most ideal major championship golf course. If we mm. if we held a major there, <laughs> also if it if it was empty out there, like if there were not many fans around, then I'm not sure it would have had the same feeling. Yeah, but it was a it was an awesome fan experience, relatively speaking. I mean, the Ryder Cup is always tough. There's just yeah. not that many groups out there. Well, and it was set up with the bleachers in certain spots. The the big um, television screens like what Victor said is that he thinks it, he thought it would be a great match play course and that was kind of my I get ultimate takeaway was I had so much fun watching the shots into the short par 3 13th the second shots into the par 5 11th down the stretch the drivable par 4 16th the really skinny green that guys were hitting great shots into on 17 and then the par 5 finisher on 18 uh, with the water hazard left, like it was a fun match play course. There was a lot of uh, flipping matches late, and uh, like I said, it maybe isn't a major championship. It, well, it's definitely not a major championship course, but for what this was, the build out and everything, I think I think I'll give it a B. I'm going higher. Uh, I'm wow. going. I'm going a solid A minus. I thought this place was just such a fun match play setup. I thought the last three holes set up s- s- for such good drama. Even the last four holes, 15 was a difficult par four, 16 a drivable amphitheater uh, par four. That there was just so much drama there. Then 17 was a tough par three where guys were making birdies, but also once you missed the target, bogey was very in play. And then 18 threaded that needle of you know, if you just hit two really good shots, it looked kind of easy to get up around the front of the green, but guys got themselves in all kinds of trouble around there yeah. too. You and I watch a lot of pro golf tournaments, um, both at home and obviously on the road. And I'm trying to think of a better place to watch golf shots and moments happen than mm. the the back of 16 green. That's basically where I ended up going every single day this week. When, when matches were getting close, getting tight late, I was on a beeline to the back of the 16th, and granted, we have inside the ropes passes, but there's just a hill behind it like you described. There were people posted up there that, you know, if you made that your priority, you could absolutely get there. A nice sunny breeze, like, oh. If you're making Ryder Cup plans right now, then this would be my guidance is like, don't don't knock yourself if you're like, hey, I'm going to have to sit and post up outside and watch a bunch of this on the screen. 
because sometimes you got you have to get a few holes ahead of the groups. Yep. You got to post up. The nice thing is they have giant video boards up there. So mm-hmm. look, you could post up behind 16, see what the fellas are doing on the big board, and then wait for them to come through. And to your point, a drivable par four, especially one with trouble, that's like the highest variance shot you're going to see. Yeah. You could see someone hit it tight for eagle. Or you could see someone hit it in the water, and they're going to have to go to the drop zone. Wow. Shout out drop zone. Producer Darren. Uh, producer Darren. Bakery has just arrived with a couple of small pastries, as has James Colgan. What, what, what grade would you guys give Marco Simone? As a venue. Speaking of the mic, please. For our purposes, it was just a brutal walk, most oh. of it. And that's, I think that's, that's fair. Probably true for the golfers, too. But beautiful. Like, I think there was plenty of space. and I mean, LACC was one where it was, like, cramped. Feels like people couldn't really even see the golf at a lot of points. But I gave it a B. Dylan gave it an A-. minus. Are we being too generous? I'd say B+. plus. All right. Split the difference. James Colgan? I'm going to agree with with who gave it an A-. minus. Dylan? Yeah. I'm going to agree with Dylan. I think it I think it is an A minus. It's a massive venue. There's a ton of ton of space available in the middle. You were capable of walking around and kind of wandering through, seeing all of the things that you wanted to see. It was fairly accessible to get to the first tee and the eighteenth green, which are the two things, especially in match play, that everyone wants to see. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought from a fan experience, like sure, the furthest parts of the golf course were difficult to reach, but especially and sean you might have said this but like coming from finca cortezine where you know it was a nightmare to get literally anywhere on the golf course and it was you know a two mile walk just to just to leave home to me marco simone's stuck out was a pretty cool place so i was a fan yeah i did not say that about the solheim venue but it is crazy like covering a tournament or even trying to be a fan at a tournament in which the holes are close to each other there are no breaks that you have to walk a half an hour. Um, yeah, this one checked the, a lot of boxes. All right, Dylan, let's move on to Team USA. God, that croissant is so good. I just took a bite. we got to buzz through this thing so we can finish that and get to Rome. Uh, we started with Luke Donald for Team Europe, and I think that means we have to start with Zach Johnson, the captain of the American team. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be the toughest moment of this podcast because, uh, you know, you don't like saying negative things about people. The... Look, Sean, the, the you sure? job of... Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? The job of U.S. Ryder Cup captain going abroad recently, pretty thankless. Yeah. To the point where I'm not sure... You know, I would I would love to do it. I know that the committee is <laughs> kind of throwing my name out there a couple times. Still in the chair for 2025. Um, but, man, you are going to get some heat if the boys do what they have done for the last 30 years. I think Zach gets a, a do it. I think it's a D plus. <laughs> and you know what? I agree with that grade. Thank you for for backing me up here. Look, this is this is not a shot at Zach. It's just clearly they needed to do something different than what they did. I know there's got to be a winning team and a losing team, but to come out as flat as they did on day one. To lose that that those first two sessions, six and a half to one and a half, like that's where coaching matters, right? Getting guys off the bus, getting them to win, getting them prepared to tee off on number one. 
America got crushed on the first, on the hole. first hole. Yeah. And they got dominated on the 18th hole in a few crucial matches. Like the final score was 16 and a half to 11 and a half. The first day score was six and a half to one and a half. That was the difference right there. The boys were not ready. That's not, that's not all on their captain by any means. Like it's an individual sport, but I think leaving JT on the bench for the first session ended up being something that you that that ZJ was probably would probably do differently. Uh, it's easy with hindsight to yeah. talk about any of this stuff because a lot of people said he shouldn't even be on the team and he <laughs> didn't end up playing that well. But uh, yeah, it just came out a little flat. It didn't go great for them. Uh, Luke seemed poised and prepared for for every question and answer in difficult moments. That's a lot easier when you have a massive lead. Yeah, um, but. But by Zach comparison, seemed a little though, bit more on his heels. By comparison, the kind of public speaking nature of that role is a big is a big part of the role, and it's hard to not compare him to what Luke Donald looked like because Luke was multiple times better than what ZJ was uh, at doing that. It it felt like Zach was kind of defensive, you know, when his team got down early in the way like Nick Saban can get defensive uh, towards the media. You know, kind of telling people like, no, you don't quite understand what's going on here. When there was the scuffle between Joe LaCava and and Rory McIlroy, Luke Donald said, I will be speaking with Rory about it tonight multiple times, almost in a disciplinary tone, like I'm going to handle this. And Zach was getting inaccurate information and saying, well, you know, this is all I've been told about this. He had more time to think about what he was going to say to the press, too. He did. He kept you waiting in the press room for another 45 minutes. Yeah, it just felt like, you know what, comparing him to um, Suzanne Pedersen, who went down 4-0 as the Solheim Cup captain for Team Europe, she kept saying, like, sometimes you get punched in the mouth, you get hit in the face, and you got to, like, come back. It just felt like US the U.S. team got punched in the mouth, and then their captain didn't get them ready to come they back in any the, fashion way. And they, the fact that they got punched in the mouth was the tricky thing. you you got to throw that first punch. you got to mm-hmm. be proactive, not reactive. US so that's why you back. wanted JT on that on that first session. I I honestly I know a lot of people are using this to second guess ZJ. I was okay with Jordan and Justin sitting that first session. I'm not positive that you can create much energy as as a road team in this tournament. Um, I think you need to have good golf, and that is the only saving grace for Zach Johnson is that the team did not play well. You end up. <laughs> James is storming off the set here because I'm giving Zach Johnson like one uh, excuse out of this. No, I think you're right. Like the pairings, I mean, we're not going to go one by one here, but there were a couple of sessions where it was like, yeah, look, you're putting your guys out there. You got to live or die with these guys and so be it. Yeah. Play better. Play better. Um, That was Jim Furyk's general excuse uh, early on in France. It was like, Look, we just brought Tiger Woods, the winner of the Tour Championship here. We just brought a bunch of Tour winners, major champions, the number one player in the world, Brooks Kepka. No, no, no one's playing well. Like, we're all playing poorly. Um, Zach Johnson did follow a script that made sense in some ways. He flew his team over to Italy. Everyone who could make it made it. Jordan Spieth stayed at home because his wife was pregnant. Patrick and, and Xander did not make the trip. But everyone else went, and that, that felt like a pretty big thing that Zach committed to. Now, that might be the very bare minimum at this point for being a captain, but he did do a number of things that 
I would have done, <laughs> right? And then besides that, you kind of throw the dice out there and see what you get. And his team did not respond. So let's get to him. D plus. We're comfortable with that one on Zach Johnson. Yeah, it's harsh. Don't don't. It is harsh, wrong, but, but you know what? They also lost by five. With great power, Sean. Yes. Um, let's just start with the I guess the clearing away number one here. Maxwell Homa, mm. John Maxwell Homa, three and a half points for Team USA. He was the only guy to play all five. A. It's it's got to be an A. Yeah. At least I mean. You played all five. You won. You almost won four. Uh, you played with a bunch of play with play with different people. Rest of your team, right? Played in different matches with different people. Yep. Um, then started to kind of light a fire too, right? Unafraid to talk smack at the European fans that had been chirping him. Really steady most of the way. Didn't play great in the first session, but. Um, yeah. Was, then was undefeated after that. Was, in was the very, next four. Yeah. Was very clearly. Uh, a rock that uh, the U.S. team needed when they were looking around and their uh, once reliable duos were not very reliable. It's funny, kind of picked up momentum as the week went along. So, yeah, he lost the first session and then had a disappointing tie in the next session when Justin Rose birdied 18. Homa missed a, a good look at birdie. And then, boom, Saturday came out, won the first full point, uh, he and Harmon. And then in the afternoon – you know, dominated and then won his singles match with a really, really clutch putt on 18. So good stuff for Max Homa. Giant for his, I guess, pressure play. Yeah, for sure. I for mean, sure. Backed up a really good President's Cup performance. He's that dude. Scotty Scheffler. Not good, Sean. Um, uh, did not win a match. Did not win a match. Tied a couple matches. Halved two matches. Um, Probably should have won both two. If you really want to, he lost the 18th hole in both of his halved matches. Um, you are the top ranked player on the team, the best ball striking season uh, that we have seen in decades from someone not named Tiger Woods. Top ranked player in the world. I mean, it's here's the thing. I don't want to overreact because C minus. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's right in the wheelhouse there. Uh, this guy spent 63 hours on the practice putting green ahead of the tournament. Like he was out there all week. It, it was not for a lack of desire that he did not win a point. He got a couple half points. He was in close uh, matches other than the steamrolling he and Brooks Kepka took on Saturday morning. Oh, two and two. I kind of like that C minus. He, he was the fourth worst putter out there um, on the week. Good grief. I just looked at Justin Thomas's putting stats. <laughs> We're going to get the JT. We'll get uh, there. Yeah, I mean, no, no match victories for Scotty at the President's Cup or here, which is uh, keeping in the tradition. Concerning, concerning trend. World number ones of American teams past. So. He, he's above a D-plus because... Because he played okay. He like played okay, and you know what? He showed that he cared, Dylan. He showed that he cared. He, he lost 9-7. and seven. Yep. And was accountable for it, showed some accountability, and was found by TV cameras tearing up, showing emotion. Um, you don't always get that from American players. And he played some really good teams. That's the other piece of this, that you can only beat who you're playing, mm -hmm. and you can also... Yeah, if he's, if he's playing, playing against... 
Bobby McIntyre and Justin Rose, like maybe he gets a couple more points. Um, my next person I'd like to talk about is Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. So, Cantlay, two points. Two, uh, two, and zero. In terms of strokes gained, best performing American, even higher wow. than Max Homa. Um, talk about someone who really warmed up as the event moved on. He and Xander Shoffley, once unbeatable, are now very beatable, in part because Xander couldn't make a putt. Uh, but Cantlay... It's hard to think about this event without him in every facet of the event, both how they played, the matches that were won, where they were won, but also the report that came out from Jamie Weir that Cantlay was, you know, creating some sort of rift within the locker room. Now, that report actually might just kind of fade into the darkness whenever we leave this country. Time will tell. But he played really well when the fans were chanting about his hat and his bank account and um i actually think that somewhat galvanized the american team even though i don't think that was the intention in any facet um let's give this man a grade let's give him i give him a b a minus sean wow he lost two matches just because of circumstance he lost his first two matches playing with xander shoffley who was expected to be his big time partner I'm grading on a curve a little bit here because the U.S. team had such a dreadful final performance. But once that first match was out of the way, this guy probably played as good golf of just about anybody on property. Uh, He was good even in defeat against Hatton and Rahm on Saturday morning. And then Saturday afternoon played awesome uh, alongside Wyndham Clark, who did not play particularly well, and then just had – like a heroic performance, heroic finish to somehow drag a point out of that match. Do you think he was super forthcoming? Uh, was he super forthcoming? No, he was not super. But here's the thing. The way Patrick Cantley speaks, and you can go back and listen to the interview that we did with him on this podcast, or I did with him in Hawaii last year. Like He, he speaks in a way that someone would speak if they're taking the stand at a trial. Like He is intent on not saying anything that is untrue. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So and I think that's why he answered the questions yeah. about being paid in a specific way. Well, yeah. Does he want to get paid for this? Yes. Does he want to get paid for, he's a big, like pro labor guy just in general, like in Patrick Cantley is a guy that will fight for the players on the board. I think the other guys on tour, uh, I mean, some of them probably think that he's a pain in the ass because of that, because he's, he likes to cause a bit of a ruckus but i think other people are like very glad that he is the one doing that and that he's in the room kind of negotiating on behalf of the players doing some of that there's not really a collective bargaining in the same way as other sports patrick cantley has been on the board this year and he has you know been the guy for some of that so i think there's a bigger story to be told about this i kind of went deep on his actual saturday um for a story on golf.com he's getting married today Big week for Patrick Cantlay. He's getting married literally today, the day after the Ryder Cup. Don't know where it is, presumably somewhere in Italy. Very curious, Sean, how many Ryder Cuppers were invited. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, what a fascinating window that would be into, uh, into you know, this story, rumor, etc. cetera. Do you, do you think Justin Thomas is going to that wedding? I don't know. He's uh, Patrick Cantlay was invited to Justin's wedding. He was? Then yeah. I bet he is. I bet he's... You think it's one for one with a lot of tour pros? 
This feels like it could be a pretty small wedding considering its destination. Italy, considering it's on a Monday. Like it could be a, a I wonder if he did it affair. so close to this event in hopes that maybe his teammates might stay. Do you think he passed out any invites last night based off of how well the you know the week was for his relationships Say, with hey, like thanks for having my back out yeah, there thanks hey, for hey brian not doing the hat thing thanks yeah hey brian or hey colin morikawa thanks for not wearing a hat on sunday you're in uh we've got an extra seat at table number seven do you want it if if you go by the statistical breakdown of guys that did not wear hats yesterday sean um let's see so cantley did not wear a hat he won Morikawa did not wear a hat. He lost. JT did not wear a hat. He won. He won. Who else? Am I? There's one other guy. Did, did Jordan wear a hat? This is this is good radio here. I can't remember. Uh, and then Joe Griner, Max Homa's caddy, did not wear a hat. Homa won. So <laughs> it was pretty strong on the side of. Oh, Xander didn't wear a hat. And he won. Yeah. So all right. Four and one for the no hat crew. And I think that if a few more guys had just let it flow, then it would have been a win. All right. Um, let's. Let's do let's a buzz, Sean. Let's do a combined grade for Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Not good. They are. You gotta separate them a little bit, right? Why? JT got that extra half point. Extra half point. No, no. Justin beat Sepp Straka, and Jordan just kind of like limped in and halved his match with Shane Lauer. They both went to the 18th hole. I think these guys are. Uh, they are linked, and they are happy to be linked. They. I've said this many, many times now. Wrote about it. They are the player representation for the modern American Ryder Cup team on the PGA of America like Ryder Cup committee. And I, I emphasize this because the captain of the Ryder Cup is not on that committee. Like the people who make decisions on, you know, what apparel looks like, who the captain is, who the vice captains could be. The player representation is Justin and Jordan. They're both 30. They've both played in numerous Ryder Cups. They've played well together. They've been great in foursomes. Zach Johnson didn't send them out right away in foursomes. They were both captain's picks this year. I think Justin is on the team in part because Jordan really wants him on the team. So their performance was always going to be under the magnifying glass, and it wasn't good. I think at one point through um, through two sessions played for those guys, they were the two worst performers in this event, uh, Jordan picked himself up on Sunday uh, with a hot putter. JT was good everywhere else but the putter. I think he is very much a little bit better than the golfer we saw to end the regular season. So he's going to have an interesting fall to come back, to, uh, I guess, to form. But anyways, give these guys a damn grade. Give them a grade, Sean. Um, they get a C- minus as well. Yeah, I mean that. That sadly maybe maybe generous. generous, Maybe you know what? Stick with that. Okay, C minus. A real contrast in styles, Sean of of sketchy golf. Jordan Spieth was far and away the worst driver in the field. Strokes gained, tee to green. Six strokes off the tee. (laughs) So um, bad. Which is significantly worse than anyone else. It's like three shots worse than anyone else in the field. Yeah, could not find JT them. almost lost six with his putter. Well, yeah, that's what I was. That's where I was going next. Spieth actually putted it pretty well. JT could not find the hole. Missed a couple significant putts. Um, look, got the win on Sunday. Kept the Americans in it. I think that he gets 
credit for that. I think he gets credit just generally for his for vibes because that was good to see. Um, but yeah, you know, it was not. We'll give them that C minus only because of Justin winning that <laughs> winning that match on eighteen and not letting Sepp Straka own the Ryder Cup history there. Um, Brooks Kepka. Should we talk about BK? Sure. He got the boys wearing live t-shirts at the party last night. <laughs> 1.5 points for Brooks. Did not win a match until dispatching Ludwig uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, Quiet week, really. Got beat 9-7 and seven by Victor Holland and Ludwig in foursomes on Saturday morning. That was a big deal. Um, let's think. He just didn't really play that much golf. Like, yeah. especially with that match, they only Pretty played silent. 11 holes. Pretty silent week. Pretty silent. It, some of these guys just v- He's got fade his... into the background a little bit during the team competitions. Victor yeah. Hovland played really well, but it felt like we didn't hear that much from him. Brooks, we didn't hear a ton from either. He said he's C. not here representing Liv. He's he's here to play on C. Team USA. C is my score for BK. C? Yep. Yeah, it was C plus maybe. Wow. I mean, look, he's, he's the... <laughs> What, like, fifth best American scorer, fourth best American scorer? Um, all right, now we roll. Let's think Xander. One point scored for Xander. Oh, did, big did, redemption on Sunday, but before yeah. that, not great. Yeah, he really really redeemed himself by beating Nikolai Hoygaard. Uh, so Xander missed a lot of putts of consequence in his matches that he was paired with mm. Patrick Cantlay, even in his – his one-time pairing with Colin Morikawa. Painful Saturday morning where he missed putts on 16 and 17, and the the crowd really let him hear it. So I think he was, I think he was pretty down after uh, the first three matches, going 0 and 3. C minus. Yeah, we're gonna give a lot of Americans a C minus. <laughs> Have we gone soft? Are we afraid of the D? I'm afraid of the D plus, but yeah. you know what? At most of these guys got a point on the board. Brian Harmon. Earned two points. Two points. He's Brian, higher. He was part of that kind of Homa magic. I don't on, think I've really given much of anything in the B range, and uh, he seems like he belongs in there. Sure. I'll, I'll give Brian Harmon a a B. If you told him this week, you're going out four times, and you win two matches. And you're going to be a leader of this team. Expectations-wise, for a rookie, two points is good. Ricky Fowler. Dylan, on this makes me a little sad. On this standings list of uh, players and the points that they scored, there's just a dash next to Ricky Fowler's name. They didn't even just put zero; they just slung a, a little dash. Just on there. a dash. Like, he did not win. Like not applicable. Yeah, did not win a match. Did not tie a match. It was his fanned driver on 16 that actually ended the Ryder Cup when it went into the water, um, making his match dormy and guaranteeing a half point, the 14 and a half point that. Europe needed. Tommy uh, played great in Sunday singles. Ricky did not. Yeah. It was not a close match. Um, so Ricky also did not play well in his first session start with Colin Morikawa in foursomes. Um, just look, he's not a big energy guy, but he didn't get anything going. And he was he sick. was sick he this was a week. Sick guy. The word was that he felt better on on uh, Saturday, but then he didn't get in at all he probably would have been in if it wasn't for max homa and and uh harman having to go out again is my guess but he did not he played just two played the least amount of matches of anybody in the entire cup got zero points out of it his Ryder cup record continues to be begging in a major way 
Um, and so, yeah. Just a bummer. I Few mean, opportunities. Yeah. I have to. You have to give him a another C minus. I mean, if he had had yeah. if he had had more matches. Here's the thing: you scored. feel for the guy because what? If you lose a match, what do you want to do? You just want to get back out there. You want to get redemption. He did not get that opportunity until Sunday. Then he goes up against Fleetwood, who plays pretty well and uh, hangs in there for a while, but ultimately, yeah, goes down on sixteen. Wyndham Clark. We can get quick with Dub. Um, Dub lost to Robert McIntyre on Sunday in the Sunday singles. It, he was down early. That was the match that kind of everyone that was part of team Europe was at least confident in because it was Bob McIntyre three up most of the day. Even if there's a big red wave coming, Hey, McIntyre's taking Clark out to the woodshed right yeah. now. Uh, and that's bad because Wyndham Clark is a better golfer than Bob McIntyre. Yeah, at one point, he hit like a 15-foot putt, like 30 feet. And I think it was like, all right, we got we to gotta cool this guy off a little bit. Yeah, this is your U.S. Open champion who fielded questions early this week about comments he made uh, implying he feels that he needs he, he's better than Rory McIlroy. Or if he, he wants to compete with Rory, he needs to feel that he is better than him, which is yeah. fine. But... Like, if that's the case, then you better be better than Robert McIntyre. Um, he hit multiple fanned shots on 18 that could have won matches. He was great for about the first 15 holes of the competition, yeah. which was Friday afternoon. It looked like he and Homo were going to win. They ended up tying because, yeah, he, he really blew his approach shot way right in that match. Uh, and then it unfortunately just went a little bit downhill from there. He did get that Saturday evening win with Cantley. Statistically, yeah, he Cantley kind of got that win. Yeah, Cantley got that win. So um, Wyndham Clark He got a point and a half for expectations, I'll say C+. Yeah, that seems about right. I mean, this the stats boys would say he was uh last in the field in strokes gained. But, you know, he got he 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 got that point in the half. Sam Burns is our final American, Dylan. He got one point. He did it great. Yeah, well, and that's what he was brought here to do, right? He was brought here to make Scotty Scheffler comfortable and to be a great putter. And, and uh, he and Colin Morikawa came out Saturday afternoon, and they they did something good. Yeah. Because made, that, was not, that was maybe the least obvious pairing of the week and a good reminder that this entire exercise and probably everything that happens here – there's an element of just like, well, randomness. You could just throw a couple guys out there and maybe they would win. Yeah. Um, but only one point. And what he was brought here to do, as I was kind of alluding to, yep. is play well with Scotty Scheffler, his best mate, a, ma- a major reason why he's on this team. That didn't go well. And that's just kind of the fact at the end of the day. So I'm giving Sam Burns a C. Yeah. I think he played well enough those next couple days like it felt like he he actually played decent golf in trying to put the fight to rory on sunday i'm gonna give sam burns a b minus because i'll give him extra credit for keeping the u.s in that thing on uh on saturday afternoon sure uh do we have to give grades to anything else dylan or can we call it how good a time have you had this is the you're reaching the end of your european work i've had a fantastic time uh two weeks in europe Spain was incredible. I we didn't really talk about it too much on this because you know had to run. We didn't over all Rome. get together until Tuesday or whatever. But it was really fun to see the differences between these two events, and to hope, I guess, hope about what the Solheim Cup could become. 
as a derivative of the, the Ryder Cup. Um, I uh, I had a blast. That that was the element of this trip that kind of filled up the tank uh, and got me really excited to to come here to Rome. As we do at Ryder Cups, there's a winning team that is so excited and feels unbeatable, and then there's a losing team that mopes around and is kind of shell-shocked and um, already thinking about Beth Page. Like, what I loved is that the winning team, courtesy of Rory McIlroy, is already thinking about Beth Page too because Rory said one of the greatest accomplishments in pro golf in the last you know, decades, 30 years is to win an away Ryder cup. And that's what we're going to do at Beth page. So Rory put bulletin board material on the wall at the PGA of America. I'm not sure he intended to do it. I'm not sure if he was kind of like just overtaken by the moment, but we already like, I feel like people have been saying, gosh, just wait till New York, just wait till Beth page, just wait till 2025. We came to freaking Rome and people are already talking about the next one. I think that says a lot about the health of the Ryder Cup, what it means to people, what it means to the players. And um, unfortunately, yeah, I'm now extremely excited for that event two years from now. That's well said, Sean. There was some some muttering about, oh, is the Ryder Cup now just too big a blowout every other year? I think it's awesome because it'd be one thing if it was a big blowout and, you know, Europe was winning every single year wherever. That's not the case. It's cool to go into a hostile mm-hmm. environment. It's cool that, you know, when the U.S. goes to Mexico to play their national team, that's a hostile environment. And and it's great that this is going to be that much more special when the U.S. comes to Europe and actually does win It's or when Europe does it's it It's like again. tennis. It's like holding serve. Holding serve, Team Europe held serve. Yeah, and if you think there's pressure on Americans to end this 30-year drought of winless Ryder Cups in Europe, there's going to be a lot of pressure to win the Ryder Cup at Bethpage. Yeah. If that starts to not go, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think as this Ryder Cup got weird on Saturday and Rory's in the parking lot shouting and European fans are making life uncomfortable for the Americans. I couldn't help but think how this would be handled on Long Island. And uh, those are just tantalizing <laughs> Makes thoughts. Makes you a little nervous. Makes me very Whoa. nervous because... Um, as we discussed, Whistling Straits was a, a Ryder Cup in which the European fan was basically not invited. They weren't allowed. This was during peak COVID times. And I think that helped show just how important it is to have some sort of fans there um, and how big of a deal the home field advantage is. Um, so <laughs> those are tame Wisconsinites, <laughs> Midwestern folks. The New Yorker is different. Built different. The Ryder Cup is going to be great. Again, Team Europe should retain Luke Donald. And uh, and Tiger Woods playing captain. And we should find a way to come back Make to it happen. soon, Sean. <laughs> um, you guys get an A+. The Zonies, we love you. And we will talk to you soon. Signing off from Rome, we're going to go. Uh, I've got a chocolate croissant staring at me and an Aperol spritz calling my name from downtown Roma. Until next time, see you guys. 